Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Matt. We're joined by <laughs> Inuit throat singing. I don't know why I hit record. <laughs> <laughs> you did, yeah. All right, well, let's just do this. Let's uh, let's go. Oh, you want to go? I don't. Redwood Soundwest. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Watch New Evil. This is Matt. And this is Zach. And today we're going to be talking about the 1931 Universal smash hit starring Bella Lugosi, Dracula, based on the novel by Bram Stoker. Now, Zach, you love Dracula, and you read Dracula. Take us away. What did you think of the adaptation of this from a perspective of someone who loves the book? I do love the book, and this film is actually one of my least favorite adaptations of the novel just because it changes a lot of things with no regard <laughs> and no reason such as such as the whole like they basically replace jonathan harker with renfield and like it's nice to get the oh this is how renfield became renfield backstory jonathan harker's plot line but it's renfield <laughs> mm-hmm. so you don't like jonathan harker's story but do you like the expansion of renfield's story I don't think it's really an expansion. It's just like, this is how Renfield, like we got just like the origin of Renfield, which was the same story as Harker, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We're not given like too much backstory on Renfield in the novel. It's just like he is Dracula's familiar. familiar. And he's in this, I don't know if it's like a psychological institution, but this medical institution. Asylum. Yeah. But it's really a research asylum because it's... The doctor is kind of conducting research on the psyche and he does try to rehabilitate Renfield, which I think is an interesting kind of concept that we don't see in a lot of media about that time period. Most of the time it's just like, ah, yes, these people in a mental institution were living in a decrepit wasteland of a of a hellscape where they were being constantly abused by the guards with no real option for rehabilitation, whereas Renfield seemed to be given a lot of options for rehabilitation and was actually able to converse with the doctor and his family in, in a way that was seemingly like, we are trying to move you on to a better path, which I think is an interesting idea. You know why? It doesn't impact the story. <laughs> It's because it's in Europe. <laughs> this um, is in America. True. It would be like Jacob's Ladder. I also don't want to give <laughs> Europeans that much credit. <laughs> Especially the British. I don't want to I don't want to say that they were that benevolent. <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't know. I mean, like, Jonathan Harker is a character, but they basically eliminate any kind of character development and growth is just like, he's a set piece. Mm-hmm. Who's in love with Mina? Who's in love with... Well, I mean, like, they're engaged, right? That's the whole idea. Like, that's the letters that we get in the actual novel. Mm -hmm. We get, like, the letters back and forth, and, like, Mina's, like, suddenly cut off. Yeah. Because he's spending, like, a literal year at Dracula's castle. They take all of that out, and I get that this is in the early days of film. Mm -hmm. I get that the options were limited. I get that this is a coveted film, and, like, it's reason why the horror genre, as applied to film, even took off in the first place. Mm -hmm. 
I just think that all of that credit can be given to Bela Lugosi and no one else. <laughs> uh, gotcha. Yeah, he. I mean, he really carries himself so well as the Count. I do wonder, though, you know, and we've talked about the condensation of media and how condensed this particular story had to be, because Bram Stoker's novel is pretty substantial. Oh, yeah. It's it's really like three books yeah. that make up a novel. And to be able to put it into a movie that is less than an hour and 20 minutes, that's long for people who were going to the movie theater in that day. Like, you know, they weren't expecting movies to be super expansive. They were used to 20-minute short films about the moon getting a rocket lodged in its eye or something. <laughs> well, and that's, that's, that's the other thing. Is like, this doesn't, it doesn't feel short. That's another problem I have yeah, with this, Yeah, it doesn't too. feel short. There's just a lot of pontificating mm-hmm. between, and, and that's that's a lot of the novel, too. Is but It's interesting in the novel, whereas, like, in this, uh, Dr. Seward, who's actually supposed to be one of Lucy's suitors, mm-hmm. right? Even though it, in, in this, it's Mina's father mm-hmm. is Dr. Seward. It's so weird how they, like, just chose to change these characters, and that's what... Like, they just, there's no reason for that. Yeah. Right? And Lucy is, like, introduced and then cast. She died. Did she die? Oops. It's like, well, she's a vampire. And then there's, like, not much else. It's just like they just kind of cast her away. Well, and also, if she's a vampire, doesn't that make her dead? Are we considering the vampire? Yes. The undead. And that does happen to her in the book, too, right? Yeah, she dies. It's just there's no build-up to it. Yeah. They just are kind of like, oops. Yeah, it's just... Image of casket in, in, in like, the little hearse. Yeah, and Lucy Westerna, in the, the novel and in some other adaptations of the novel, kind of the main character mm-hmm. of that section of the book. Yeah. Well, and we get so much more intention with Lucy, and I think that with both Lucy and Mina, the female characters, they're suffering from the era in which this is being filmed, which greatly diminishes the role and agency of women. Yeah. Because Lucy, her intention in, you know, the Dracula novels is to become the next bride. Mm-hmm. And so she has a lot more going on and she has a lot more of a relationship. She's basically being trained to be, you know, a vampiress because Dracula left his three other brides back in Wallachia or whatever it's, you know, <laughs> called in the books and movie. So he left them there and she's kind of now... Uh, responsible for helping him create like the new vampire world well that's what's cool about the novel too is that it's not like what you see on like a castlevania netflix series it's Mm -hmm. not what you see in like other more modern adaptations where it's dracula untold yeah (laughs) let's not even talk about that (laughs) the the new universal monster was a cinematic universe or whatever yeah that just fell apart before it started but they got two movies was uh, the new mummy with Tom Cruise? Tom Cruise's mummy and Dracula Untold. And Dracula Untold. Dracula Untold. I mean, you've seen it, right? Yeah, I love it. <laughs> it's like, it's okay. If you don't <laughs> consider it a part of the vampire yeah. Yeah, Dracula it, world, I think it's substantially better. You've got me on this now. I think that film is substantially better if you just ignore the last ten minutes of it. Yeah, <laughs> where he creates a giant vampire army that ravages <laughs> the countryside. And it's just like he's evil now. 
for no reason. Yeah, and, and he sold his soul. To right, and it, it's because they're trying to be like, well, we want to maintain the historical accuracy of the Vlad, <laughs> the Vlad the Impaler well, like, that's concept. His. But it's also like you didn't need to go that far. He's Vlad the Impaler throughout the whole movie, and the last ten minutes, like, shit, we gotta make him Dracula. We gotta make him <laughs> quick impale some people. Yeah. <laughs> we gotta make this a little a little ghastlier. I liked his um, impaler armor, though. That was pretty... It's like... Yeah, the, the costume design great. in that film is well above par. And the part where they're having the battle on the silver is very... Yeah. I liked that a lot, because he's trying to rescue his son. So, Dracula, Bella <laughs> so Lugosi... Anyways, this one. Bella Lugosi is an excellent actor, and fun fact, did you know that Bella Lugosi learned all of his lines for this movie phonetically because he did not yet speak English? I think that's just rumor. I disagree with you. Because he's Italian, right? Yes. Well, you but, know, you know that they filmed this Dracula and the Spanish language Dracula at the exact same time. Yes. Using the exact same set. Were, were they the same actors? Not or all were they of them. Spanish speaking some actors. Of them, some of them. Did Bella Lugosi still? Okay, so he did the Spanish. Yeah, and he learned it from English. I don't. I have a little, a little Universal Monsters statue in my house that says on the back of it, if you flip it over, the story of Bela Lugosi getting this role, learning it all phonetically. Because this... he had to do it for several movies at first until he actually learned the language. So was this his first English-speaking role? This was the film adaptation of a stage production, yeah. right? So like, did he learn the lines for that phonetically yes. too? Yes. I, I guess I, I will believe you. If you have a statue that says it. I have, like, these were the movies that I grew up watching. Yeah. I have, like, all of the original, like, Universal monster movie, like, dolls and the, like, action figures that came in the boxes. Like, the amount of Universal monster movie memorabilia that we have in my house is substantial. And we probably have six or seven copies of all of the, all of the movies. I mean, why not? Not really needed anymore because now they just put them on streaming. But it's good to keep the Blu-ray because if the blue, you know, if they just decide, oh, we don't want to have this anymore and they pull it from the internet, it's gone forever if you don't have the physical copy. Plus, you know, you never know when Y2K is actually going to happen. Yeah, and we're going to go and back to analog. Crash, down, crash the internet and all electronic devices. So your DVDs will actually be useless then. You know, we make a post-apocalyptic society that's a, uh, Mr. Burns, a post-electric play where we rejuvenate society by just telling the story of Dracula. Didn't this come up? In literally the last episode we recorded. Yes. It's been coming up a lot it's because it's, it's incredibly it's important happen. for the dissemination of culture and how we talk about media and the way that media impacts culture. We are a cultural podcast. That said, let's talk about the most significant part of culture for the vampire genre. The sexiness. Yeah. I mean, we This get... movie, no sexiness. I, well, I mean, I definitely think that there, I think there is some sexual tension between Renfield and Dracula, and there certainly is between Mina and Dracula, right? Yeah. In the novel, mm -hmm. I feel like I've said that so much, and it sounds so pretentious saying it, but there is a lot of sexual, not graphicness, but like sexual implication mm -hmm. when Harker is at the castle, not really to do with Dracula himself, because at that point, Dracula is the old 
decrepit man, right? It's more to do with Dracula's brides. He has a lot of visions of them that are very salacious. Visions, yes. Yes. Vision, Which, visions. hard to tell if they actually happen or not because yeah. of the way that the novel is written, but, you know, interpretations of it and scholarly dissection of it would say that those weren't visions, but they were priming him for the relationship to Dracula. Right. That's what I love about the novel, that this just skates right over. His time at the castle is like this weird fugue dream state kind of Mm -hmm. thing where he like slowly loses his grip on reality when we get to the real world on the demeter stuff is happening where it's like we're not only on the ship with dracula and harker but we're going back to reality with them metaphysically speaking (laughs) (laughs) and then we get to like more of the mina and lucy and and van helsing storyline what the bulk of this film is yeah There's just so much more like building and decay of this story progression in that that I just don't think that is captured here. It's like they try to do it through dialogue too much. And like there's so much just in the drawing room. Van Helsing going back and forth with Dr. Seward and Harker and then like Renfield will come in and they'll be like, ah, Renfield got out again. It's it's just like they they try to do like so much comic relief with him, which is like, it's fine. Mm -hmm. But I just feel like there's a lot of time wasted. Yeah, I would agree with that. I definitely think that that's part of it. The the big concept of sexuality within the Dracula universe too is also paired so closely like with the relationship to death and the combination of death and sexuality as being so intangibly intertwined because sex is the only thing that creates life. So therefore it's kind of continuing, but then Dracula is, is anathema to that because in death or in causing death, he creates new life. Mm-hmm. So that's there's like a, a paredness to the way that Dracula drains people of their blood that is inherently sexual because in doing so he is procreating mm-hmm. and he is creating a new sense of life through this act of murder. That comes up in a lot of different media and I think especially with the way that media goes they've just made vampires sexier <laughs> over time. It's just well, we like Twilight now. Yeah, with, with that Twilight is <laughs> this is absolutely my personal opinion. So unsexy. <laughs> I've, never, I've never seen it. There's nothing about so Twilight cool. that in any regard makes me believe that those characters about, are uh, anything more than Ken dolls. <laughs> what about uh, True Blood? True Blood is, is m- mucho sexy. There is sort of this sexuality that is attached to it. And I want to talk about Renfield in this particular movie. It's very much a, a, a dom-sub relationship. Oh, yeah. That's kind of going on. But there's this, one of the things that people do in kink, and I'm not speaking from experience here, but it is like degradation kink and, and control the ability to enact control. And some people want to be controlled. And the way that Renfield not only subsists on insects, but is also treated like an insect is a big part of that. And one of my favorite shots in the movie, which is at first glance very sexual, it's the moment where the nurse for Mina and Lucy is like lying on the floor and Renfield is like crawling over towards her, which looks sexual at first. But it's also very insect-like because of the way that she is in this all-white garb and he's walking over to her legs bent, elbows bent kind of out. So he looks like a spider. Mm -hmm. And it talks about him subsisting on insects. Well, the idea and the... uh, 
the implication that she is then insectile, that he has somehow transcended to just a larger insect within the the hierarchy, she becomes kind of prey-like to him. That's one of my favorite scenes because it, it has such a striking visual to it, but it also makes such a commentary on Renfield's placement against the other humans in the story mm-hmm. because they view Renfield as below. They view Renfield as below them. Dracula views Renfield as below them, but I think Renfield views himself as above the humans. Yeah, I mean, he's somewhere in between, right? Because, like, that's where familiars lie. Like, they have this transcendent knowledge. Mm-hmm. That is something that I like about the portrayal of Renfield in this, is that he does have these moments of cognizance. Renfield comes in. It's it's almost as if he His has... His codependency goes away for a second. Right, it's like he's got this, like, one foot in reality, but one foot, I don't know, like, mind control state. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's... That's a good depiction of the familiar struggle Mm -hmm. um, because like you can see that he's being controlled. He is in this relationship that the film Renfield, the 2023 film Ren really kind of explores this like hammers. Yeah, this really abusive relationship that he's part of. At the same time, he is pro vampire, pro Dracula, but he is still human. Mm hmm. And he still has that human side to him, like wants to protect Mina and wants to protect Van Helsing. So I, I do think that they, they do that well. Yeah, Renfield is by far, I think, the most interesting character in specifically this film, not necessarily in media, because I think there's so much you can do with Dracula. But within this film, uh, because he's so conflicted and it, it's such an interesting placement for him, especially at the end of the movie when he is killed by Dracula because he's kind of making the choice that he would rather be murdered by Dracula than to not have Dracula at all. But he would rather still have some level of alignment with the humans Mm -hmm. within that. Otherwise, why wouldn't he just leave? That's a really conflicting scene. It would be so interesting to just like have an entire movie that broke down just that scene on the stairs. Yeah. Like the 30, like the Alfred Hitchcock 39 steps or something. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, that, and that's something that I do think that both the novel and this adaptation do well, is that they do not try to explain the mechanisms of vampirism not too, at too all. much. It's like Van Helsing's like, I think it's like this, but like, really... I don't know because no one else has no one no one else has like really experienced this in depth. Mm-hmm. I've spent my whole life compiling information, but like I still don't know because this is the first big happening mm-hmm. of this kind. Well, and it's all myth. Everything before there right. is is being passed down through generations and dra- generations of Transylvanians. The, they're mythologizing this man and 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 the things that he's doing. You know. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a chupacabra. He's, like, going out and killing their goats. They're like, yeah, I guess he can turn into a wolf. I guess he can turn into a bat. Yeah. They're like, these are things that vampires mythologically are supposed to be able to do. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, I guess this wolf might be Dracula right now, but, like, it could just be a wolf. <laughs> yeah. And so, they, you know, with that, the, they make the story much bigger than the man, but there's nothing to really support that other than isolated firsthand accounts which are also always questionable because when someone tells you a an extremely wild first-hand account, you have to kind of be like, but, but how did you live? Like, how did you <laughs> oh, get Oh, I out didn't. I'm a vampire now. <laughs> yeah, and so it's, there's no explanation for that. And so you're kind of like, okay, Grandma, like, go lie okay, down. Abe Simpson. <laughs> yeah, okay. 
Yeah, okay. It's, it's just like, I saw them. <laughs> it was World War II. And it became a bat. And it's like, okay. Uh, so, so, yeah, it's absolutely reasonable for Van Helsing to just be like, I guess this is what we're doing. It also does not ever really touch on any of the biblical implications that a lot of modern adaptations do. Because a lot of modern versions talk about the 40 pieces of silver that was paid to Judas. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, that's and why it's silver. And they don't mention silver at all in this. They don't mention the it's silver all at all. Garlic. Yeah, and, and also Wolfsbane. Sorry. Yeah, Wolfsbane. Wolfsbane is mentioned. <laughs> in the novel, it's garlic. In this, it's Wolfsbane. In this, is Wolfsbane. It's wrong. Yeah, they're trying to tie it into the upcoming, you know, werewolf. Well, yeah, so there's that, like, that's the whole thing with werewolves, right? And it's just like, this is some mythological, creepy, like, lore thing, but it yeah, just feels like because conflation. garlic's an anticoagulant. The, the, that's kind of the whole idea. Yeah, but also, I mean, wolfsbane does have an impact on your blood. It changes. Your yeah, blood. it's poisonous to humans. Yeah. Even if you touch it, like, it does have uh, a negative impact. I think, like, it like, makes rashes or something. But yeah. people have, like, pretty severe reactions just from touching it and the idea is like you know wolves stay away from it and it's supposed to be literally werewolf proof it just feels like they're conflating these two myths yeah and it's kind of annoying to me yeah (laughs) but going back to the but going back to the biblical thing too like within this they're like yeah we use the cross and it's also but it never touches on the fact that well why is dracula afraid of the cross is it because of any vampires is it yeah is it because he's dead and he was like shunned from heaven you know it never really fully approaches the subject of what the cross actually does Mm -hmm. and why just the mere image of the cross just be just seeing the cross sends him into such a fury i think they kind of try to explain it there's like oh well he is a dark being and this is a holy thing so like you know they're opposites and he's yeah and i guess at that time it was a way to help give the common folk that were seeing the movie an actual thing that they could themselves grab onto to be like i am protected yeah. from vampires because i have a cross and then it's just like well <laughs> checkmate atheists well that and the mirrors too right they make a kind of a big deal out of the mirrors yeah well the mirror thing comes from the background of using silver as the backplate right and so that's where like the connection to which we don't use anymore so vampires would show up in modern mirrors because we don't use silver as the backplate anymore gotta get money. you gotta get old mirror and then the vampires will show up gotta get a belly legacy certified Bella Lugosi signed mirror. That would be worth so much money. <laughs> you know, Bella Lugosi Jr., yes. his son, mm-hmm. sold the capes for like $12 million. Good for him. Make that bag off of your dad's well, legacy. And there's the rumor that Bella Lugosi wanted to be buried in one of his capes. Aww. And people were like, why not the, the, the Dracula wall? Because his son sold them. And yeah. he, was, he was buried in the black cape. Well, I, I think the thing that's so admirable about Bela Lugosi is, first of all, he's such a competent professional, and he played Dracula really well. He made this role so stellar. Without blinking. Without blinking. Did you know that 20 years later, 1954, he came back and played Dracula again for Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein? That's the only other thing that he's been Dracula in. Isn't that awesome that he was just like, yeah, I'll come back for this comedy movie that makes fun of me? Absolutely. <laughs> it's And I'm like, that is... That is a baller move. Like, that's so cool. But that movie had everybody in it. It had it had Lon Chaney Jr. 
It had Boris Karloff, like all they they have run the gamut. What year was that? This movie was 1931. They were just like, what if we just like did the Universal monsters again? But like took them back but, to like, their funny. But like took them back to their origins and did well because the thing, you know, of course, the the thing that happens with sequels happens with them. Um, they made a billion sequels of Dracula. There's Son of Dracula, Bride of Dracula, Hand of Dracula, Hand of the Mummy, The Mummy, The Mummy Returns, The Mummy's Revenge. Frankenstein, The Bride of Frankenstein, another Frankenstein movie, Frankenstein vs. the Wolfman. Like, they just kept making these movies. We're still getting them. And so (laughs) then, eventually, you know, they were just like, what if we just, like, start it over? (laughs) And then they did, and it was great. It was an excellent universal monster movie and comedy. And I applaud Lon Chaney Jr. and Bela Lugosi for being a part of that. Also, Glenn Strange was Frankenstein. Boris Karloff was not Frankenstein. What? So... Christopher Lee yes. becomes Dracula at some point. Yes, for the Hammer Horror films, right. 1970s. Yeah, which we will talk about. I guess we forgot to mention that we're doing like a month of Dracula. Yeah, this is Vampire Land for your, all your hot fang on fang action. This is like the Dracula that people are like. This is Dracula. Holy shit, Dracula. When you say Dracula, this is who people think of. Yeah, they think Even of him coming now. down the stairs at the castle. And... I don't think. But <laughs> no, you gotta you gotta stretch it out. Uh, this is this is the go-to. He is the OG, the the original Dracula, the the one that you are looking for. Right. The this is the costume that you go to Spirit Halloween to put on. And we've had how many other people play Dracula? Bela Lugosi, even though he, I don't think he's necessarily my favorite Dracula. There's just something very special about the way mm-hmm. he does it, and like it's. There's something very special about that, he's that the eye one that's, shot. He's the most stoic of all of the Draculas. I think, especially in modern adaptations of Dracula, you have like a wildness or like a craziness to the Dracula that is extremely animalistic. Whereas Bela Lugosi was just a count who was living his life. He was the most humanized of the Draculas, even though he had, you know, the power of turning into other creatures, drinking blood, turning people into vampires. He's really the only Dracula that interacts on an almost friendly level with other people in the aristocracy. He's able to actually meet with the aristocracy of, and he's able to talk to them. He's at the opera. He's making friends. And I think that Dracula, in that case, would be kind of the only person that would actually leverage his station to give himself more presence and power. Mm-hmm. I don't think that he would ever bite, murder, and drain Dr. Seward, right? He's he's only looking for a bride, and that's the way, that's where the conflation of sexuality and death come into right. this. Whereas all of the other ones, they, yes, they like women, but they are absolutely agnostic towards the killing of men and women. Well, they're also like, I feel like in other portrayals, it's just like, he wants vampires to take over the world. Yeah. And, and this, he's just like... He I, wants to just kind of do his own thing. Right. I bought some real estate in London. Yeah. <laughs> and that's in the in the book, too. He's just like, I'm just looking to, like, hang out in London and, like, find a bride here. And He does need a food source as much as it, as, as you know, we're, I'm talking about him being able to converse. So he needs the food source, and he's no longer able to get that reliably in Transylvania because the actual community has dwindled so much. So he has to go metropolitan. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Which is funny because it's much more expensive. 
Um, <laughs> not if you can hypnotize people. <laughs> so, so the well, he like, also wants youth, right? In, in the youth. book, and that's I think something that's hugely missed here mm-hmm. is that he starts out as this ancient, decrepit thing. <laughs> he drains Harker's life force mm-hmm. while bolstering his own. Yes, and then he's like, okay, I'm finally healthy enough to travel. Yeah, spread out and like get other. Um, victims and like it takes forever for Harker to recover yeah you know he's not himself for a while it's just like there's a lot more playing with life force and like that kind of transference of life Mm -hmm. between people and like yeah and and, like blood being kind of the the carrier of of that and the hemoglobin yeah (laughs) (laughs) sure (laughs) I mean maybe (laughs) I don't know Uh, you don't know vampires might not have hemoglobin (laughs) <laughs> they, don't, they don't really care about the blood. They just yeah. want that sweet, sweet hemoglobin. <laughs> yeah, they need the sweet, sweet hemoglobin. They always, you know, test real low on the uh, athlete passport, though. You've never wonder... seen Dracula beat Serena Williams for a grand slam. I wonder how their iron levels are. Like, I have low iron. Yeah, I think I might it, must, be... it must be directly related. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they just have an iron deficiency. Mm-hmm. They're like, what if my needle so... is a vampire? She's <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm so tired all the time. Yeah. I start drinking people's blood. That's so much better. Right. And it's like, why did why would you just not move to Alaska? <laughs> like, where it's dark a lot. Oh, you mean like when you're allergic to sunlight? Yeah. Well, they did that not in allergic. 30 Days of Night. Great vampire movie, well, by could, the way. But then you have a whole like season where you just have to stay inside 100% of the time. Yeah, yeah. There's, a tr- there's always a trade-off. Because think about like hour for hour, nine hours of, of darkness. I think I think it pretty Even much... Less? I think it pretty much evens out. Just live know. underground. Be a mole man. Oh, that's true. Yeah, why didn't Dracula ever build a bunch of tunnels? Yeah, it's build, like build a bunch passing. of tunnels and like have like some openings and spots and like mm-hmm. that are like high traffic areas. Yeah, and just, just like suck. grab a person, suck them down into the hole, and like. Yeah, a vampire that lives in the subway has never been done before, except in except in Blade. A lot of movies, like <laughs> for example, Blade. Um, also, Underworld. <laughs> I mean, they're like, what if the Matrix but vampires? Yes, they are <laughs> literally asking that. The action of the Matrix. I shouldn't yeah. say the the writing of the Matrix is very different. <laughs> yes, the writing of the Matrix. The Wachowski sisters are good. They know how to they know how to write movies. The original Dracula. It is successful, even as you know there are parts of it that are not successful. The adaptation quality, but which is always the case with the Universal monster movies, because they're not so concerned about the messagery that they're sending. I mean, look at Frankenstein. The relationship between Frankenstein and its source material, it's like, oh, we made... Mary Shelley's like, here's this story about uh, a guy who creates a a, a hyper-intelligent god-being that names himself Adam and is treating it like the Garden of Eden, who learns to speak every language and is now hunting me down. And then Universal was like... Monster! Monster! What if what if uh, Frankenstein started making friends with this little girl and then he threw her into the lake? <laughs> and it's just like, okay, cool. <laughs> lake. So you take the good with the bad for this particular. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that's why Bram Stoker's Dracula 
the what was it done in the 90s or it was mm-hmm. like two, early 2000s is like i think that's why it was even made because people were like hey i just reread dracula 100 years after it was written what we got right now like the the prevailing dracula film mm-hmm. isn't super true to it yeah we need another one yeah and you know with like an A-list cast like yeah. they, they did good but we'll talk about that yeah. another time i just prefer that one i mean there's so many and then you look at the the andy warhol dracula film blood right. for dracula he, he really takes the eroticism side of dracula yeah and just goes goes off the rails with it yeah. so we'll you know we'll touch on these it's it's vampire season for all of us we love dracula we love the vampire mythos we've done several dracula not dracula but we've done several vampire movies now i think our first one was girl walks home alone at night yeah which is it's so weird how we like started so niche yeah <laughs> finally now and we're, now getting we're finally dracula. getting into the normal one so thank you everyone for listening to this week's episode of watch no evil this is matt and this is zach and remember get your iron checked no, I need to. <laughs> I literally have a blood test that I need to schedule. Check out all the podcasts brought to you by Redwood Sound Labs. Finally, a podcast that's dedicated to talking about your favorite sports movies. Whether you want to hear a breakdown of the plot, arguments about who's the MVP of the film, or crit and lit about it, you'll find it all on Fields of Glory. Listen to the show that will help you live a better life with your beloved pets. It handles topics like proper food, nutrition, positive reinforcement training, and more. Certified dog behavior consultant Charlotte Peltz welcomes your pet concerns and questions in the podcast, Living With Your Dog. Zach and Matt are two horror movie enthusiasts of varying experience discussing horror movies through the scope of content, context, and comedy. They'll hit on the good ones and the classics, but they're really excited for the bad ones. Listen to Watch No Evil. Charles is a Purple Heart recipient and cinematographer. Aaron is a professor and critical cultural scholar. Together they explore the narrative, effective, and production politics of war cinema on the Real War Project. That's R-E-E-L, War Project. 